Are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis? Well, check out Deal to Heal Teas. With our inspirational teas, you're sure to find something that will inspire you. Just go to dealtoheeltees.myshopify.com. That's Deal to Heal Teas. Get some inspiration in your situation. Wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day. That's Deal to Heal Teas at dealtoheeltees.myshopify.com. Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And I got a question to ask you. Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to Cash App. And make a donation to dollar sign E James, the number 418. Make a one time donation to the Cash App, or again, go to Patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air. Thanks in advance. Be blessed. Welcome to Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. On this podcast, my guest and I will discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area of our lives. I believe that everyone can live a life that is happy, healthy, and whole. So I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is to the welcome, 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 excuse me, <laughs> to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I am your host, Ernest James, and I believe that everyone can live a life that is whole, healed, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. Thank you guys for being here. If you haven't already, like, listen, subscribe to the uh, podcast, share with another person, you know, so to help us to get our message out. Um, so we are here. We are officially um, in season two of the podcast. And we are here just like uh, every other podcast or every other show. We have a special guest today, Miss Favor. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very, very well, thank you. I hope you're well, too. Good, good, good. So we're going to jump right into it. So why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us exactly what it is that you do? Okay, my name is Favor, Favor Chinaza. That's my local, my native name, Favor Chinaza. And Ogwibe, Ogwibe, yes. I'm the founder of Fatherless Yet Fathered Initiative, one initiative that supports single mothers, fatherless children, and we create awareness on the importance of fathers in society. So that's basically what we are, what we are about. And um, we started about two years. Yeah, we're going to two years. And it's been an amazing journey, I must say. Okay. 
Um, so uh, if I understand correctly, um, your journey kind of started uh, with working with fatherless daughters. Um, I guess would be when you yourself uh, lost your father. Um, and I know that was some time ago. So could you tell me uh, a little bit about your relationship uh, with your father and how that affected you uh, at the time that, that you lost him? Okay, I I lost my father when I was seven. Okay. Seven going to eight. And that's, that's like <laughs> this year will make it um, November this year will make it 22 years, 22 years. So I was seven going to eight. And um, I can't say I had so much of, um, so much memories of my father because I, of course I was a young girl, but I know um, I, I saw my father take care of us. I remember vividly how my father would prepare us for school, iron our school uniforms, and polish our shoes because my father loves shoes a lot and black shoes are that. So we we are always um, intact. I mean, our shoes, our black shoes, we are always shining. I mean, there was no time you would get us wearing a bath <laughs> shoe or anything that is dusty. But my mom was not allowed to wear slippers or sandals. That was how much my father loved shoes and good shoes. So I remember my father would iron our skin uniforms, uh, make sure we had um, had our birds early. He would um, polish our skin uniform, our our sandals, our shoes rather, and get us ready for school. He would drop us to school every morning. And I mean, I enjoyed every of those things. I also remember that my father used to cook. I remember my father cooked once or twice that I can remember very well. And then I also remember my father used to help my mom in the kitchen. I remember those things. But then that was when I was small. So I didn't have a lot of memories. I didn't, I didn't, I don't have so much to hold on to, to say this is what really happened between me and my father. But I know he was an uh, an excellent father, I must say, an excellent one, and always had our interest at heart. So, and I think one of the, the pictures, again, that I can't really forget was the day he, he ironed my skinny form, dressed me up, and I was looking so beautiful. I mean, I remember I used to like using handkerchiefs very well so my father would iron my handkerchiefs for me and put them right on the west of my dress on my skirt uh, on the west of my skirt hang them there put them there uh, just one of it just put it there and i would look so beautiful you know like um, a primary school girl looking very neat and beautiful and my father would say oh my daughters are beautiful you know she would call my mom he would call my mom brother and say have you seen this girl she's so beautiful and you know those are the memories i have actually and they were awesome times awesome times i must say yeah i i love that <clears throat> excuse me i love that uh especially how you remember that because uh even with myself growing up um my dad was uh is always more quiet right so he kind of played the background um a lot and so when we would talk to people or when people would see us and think about how we were raised and how we were looking at as children and things like that, they will immediately give my mom the credit 
you know, as rightfully so, because she's she's the mom. But on our day to day, my mom traveled a lot, you know, uh, with the church and with the ministry. So she traveled a lot. And so uh, it was those times that other people didn't see. Like you would see my mom out front. She was the preacher. She was the speaker. She wow. was the man on the platform. But you wouldn't see my dad, you know, wow. but on those day to day, uh, everyday things like waking us up for school and all of that. That was my dad. You know, making sure we had something to eat, you know, going to the store, you know, whatever he needed to do to make sure that we were taken care of while my mom was traveling or, you know, doing whatever she was doing for the ministry. You know, that backstory that you don't get to see, that was pretty much all my dad, you know. And so I love to hear the stories about just on a day to day basis of how a father, you know, was looking out for his family, you know, because we don't often hear that. And like I said, generally, when we think about the family, because the family structure is uh, usually uh, built in a way that, you know, the father provides and the mom take care of the home, that we automatically think of it that way. And we don't think about that. Yeah, we know that, you know, that's the father's role, uh, main role, and that's the mother's main role, but those ro roles intertwine with each other. You yeah. know, so a, a good father and a good mother will do both roles. You know, we'll play a part with both roles. And so I love when I when I talk to uh, someone and they're able to express, you know, the involvement that they fought their father had in their lives outside of just, you know, uh, he paid for things, you know, uh, things like that. And it's, it's amazing uh, with you. That just goes to show how much of a influence he was that you lo yeah. uh, you lost him that young yet and still those memories are that strong in your yeah. in your mind yeah. so that just shows how much of a good father that he was and the effect that he had on your life even in the short time that you had him so i'm i'm glad that he was able to uh leave that impression on your life yeah thank you so <clears throat> my my next question excuse me <clears throat> As a as a uh, advocate for uh, fatherless children uh, today, now today, and you know yourself being a a, a fatherless uh, child, so to speak, you know, at one time, you know, doing a process. I know it's a, a process and a journey to get to the place where uh, you're kind of healing, you know, through that. Uh, I don't think it's a never. I think it's a never-ending journey. Um, but it, it gets to a place where you can breathe, you know, sort of in your healing space, you know, um, yeah. it's sort of like when you're uh, grieving someone with, the, let's just say, the loss of a parent, you know, it never stops, but it just gets easier to breathe, you know, it gets yeah. easier to, to live with, right? So um, tell me a little bit about your journey uh, to get to the place where you, you know, you're comfortable uh, with. Um, where you are and what advice would you give a, another uh, fatherless daughter who may be at the beginning of this journey? You know, maybe they're, they lost their father a long time ago. Maybe they never knew their father, but now they're in a place where they want to start uh, kind of healing themselves and, and, you know, healing from the, the abandonment that they may feel. What, what would be some advice uh, that you may give them just in the beginning of their journey to kind of help them get started? Wow. Okay. Like you just said, 
the healing process is a journey. Mm -hmm. It is not something that, that ends in a particular day. And because it is a journey, along the journey, you are going to see a lot of things that will trigger the memory, that will trigger the pains, that will make you even feel like you have never healed a bit. You know, there are things that will happen even when you think you have healed so much and all of a sudden something happens to you and triggers that pain and all of a sudden you see yourself going back to the point where you were the first time mm -hmm. you encountered this pain. So that is why I so much agree that it is a journey. It doesn't end in one day. It is not even going to end until you finally leave this room. That is the truth. Because sometimes, even when you are an adult, you have everything you're looking for. You see another person's story and you go back to the point where you were. Okay, so for me, going back to your question is, as a young child, I remember one of the first things I remember that happened to me in this journey is my father was a pastor in a local church and my mother was a young woman. My mother got married at the age of 22, yes, and the marriage lasted for about seven years and so my mother was going to her 30th birthday when she lost my father. My father was a local church pastor in a small church, in a small church, the apostolic church. And by reason of being a pastor's child, I mm -hmm. enjoyed some privileges. So for us in Nigeria, in the part of Nigeria where I'm coming from, or in Africa, we have, there's this honor. I'm sure it happens everywhere, though. There is this honor and some kind of privileges pastors children enjoy and for us in the local assemblies people are always there to help you people are always there to support mommy and daddy they call pastors and their wives daddy and mommy you know people are always there coming around to support mommy and daddy so for me i grew up in an in a place where i had people i always had people so my going to fetch water was maybe i wanted to make it maybe auntie is going to fetch water let me join auntie and go and get water it's not like it is something that's that i was mandated to do at that age no so i grew up with people around me i grew up uh, my father moved from one station to the other and each year it got better so from a very small branch to a, um, a, a something bigger than the small branch that he was coming from, and then mm -hmm. to something bigger. So, you know, so we were climbing like that. And before he died, we were living in a two bedroom flat and it was church owned, the church owned place, like they paid the rent. So we, you know, my life wasn't, if I had issues, it was not my issue. It was my daddy and my mommy's issue, do you understand? Right. But then, my father died one of the things i still cannot forget i tell everybody i still cannot forget how things changed in a twinkle of an eye i mean oh my goodness i 
I mean, I cannot, I still try to wrap my head, my, my head around this whole thing that I was living as a king today and just the next day, I was living like I had never tested the palace before. That was how it was for me. Mm -hmm. So my daddy left the church and the church where we are coming from, when a pastor dies, the wife has no particular role in the church. So there's nothing like because the wife is still around, the house is still there, the privileges are still there. It's like they just remove everything. They mm. just drag away everything. And you now just turn to be like the ordinary person that you've never witnessed and you have never um, seen in your life. So that is what happened to us. We moved one, we stopped living in the church premises, in the church um, personage where we were living. We moved into a very small room that was a kitchen because, of course, my mom couldn't afford to get a big place because my mom was doing a mini, a small job, and um, a teacher, but she was doing all these small, small teaching jobs. So my mom, and, and then she was in school. So my, we moved from that place to a small place that was a kitchen apartment, and they just had to plaster it again. The door was was not, was one that my, because my mom is tall, so my mom would bend to get into the house. We mm. stopped every Saturday, people come to our house, church members come, drop food items, those things, we didn't witness them again. People always came around to live with us. People, everybody left. Of course, my mother would tell them to leave because we couldn't even afford to feed them. So they would leave, they would leave. And so we were now left alone. And I remember that I started thinking at age seven, going to eight, we were four girls. Our, our fourth girl was about three months. I would take care of, my mom was doing a part-time studies, um, like a teacher's program to become a certified teacher at that time. So mm -hmm. my mom would go to school, leave me and my younger ones. In fact, she was working and doing that school. So she would, from work, go to that school. I would pick up my younger ones. I would go fetch water. I had never fetched water, like fetch water, like, because we couldn't even afford to get a place where there was water. So, we'd, so we would go fetch water. And I remember the first time I carried water on my head, I dropped it almost 10 times on the road. <laughs> because it was heavy. Right. It was heavy. I would carry, I would cry, I would drop it. They would still come and help me again. I would carry a little distance, I would drop it again. I had never carried that kind of water in my whole life. So that was what happened for me. And I remember I was pained. I remember at a point I would tell myself, my father is so wicked. Why would he give birth to us and die? Why on earth would he allow us to go through this kind of pain? I remember I used to tell my friends in the university that if I meet my father in heaven, the one of the first things I would do is to hold him by the neck and, to, and, and, and tell him <laughs> how much bad he had done us. But of course, it wasn't his doing. He right. wasn't the one that killed himself. He didn't want to die. There was nobody. I, I'm here to see a, a good father who wants to die and leave the family. There is no good father that wants to do that. You know, but that was how much the pain had eaten inside of me. And you know, because of how much my uncles didn't care to, because of, because of how much I saw my mom go through too, that thing at because I saw my mother suffer, and oh my goodness, I saw people who were not who would 
who would call my mom mommy people who would respect my mom because she was a pastor's wife now begin to call her sister what is that i mean i don't understand it as a child i hated it i hated it but my healing started so many years ago i think after that thing happened we would um, struggle to pay school fees, get things, and um, get things done. Things that normally wouldn't have been a very big problem now became a big um, problem. And I remember that my mother would tell me each time we tell mommy we need this, our school fees that, our school fees that, something this, something that. My mother would tell me that would ask us, "Have you told your heavenly Father?" And you know. That simple question, we would say, ah, mommy, you have come again. In fact, she would even start with, um, have you told your father? And then we would say, which father, what father? You know, we don't have a father. And then she would say, you have a father, your heavenly father. And over time, it began to sink. You know, it didn't sink immediately. I won't tell you that I understood it immediately. Of course, mm -hmm. I would do I would just enter the bedroom and I would say just a short prayer. Daddy, my mommy said I should come and tell you that I need this. And she has said you are my father. I used to do it because I wanted to please my mom. So whenever I do it, I will run out. Mommy, I have told daddy. So what do we do next? You know, <laughs> uh, that was my mother's seed inside of us. That seed was sown to 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 dominate later on because she knew that a time will come when we would face so much pressure and what pressure how you how you react to pressures the, your perspective to pain and pressure is going to be determinant on what is already inside of you and i'm not even sure she understood how much it was going to affect our lives but then she did it anyways and then ahead of time, I started doing those things all through secondary school and all through time. But then while I was doing it, God began to prove himself that truly he was a father and he is a father. You know how he took me through this point to that point to that point. And I realized that at a point, I was no longer feeling bad because my needs were not met. Because, of course, God was meeting all my needs. But then I was now feeling bad because I see people call people father. Now, it means that over time, one part of the pain had been taken care of. Because what caused pain was that my needs were not met. I was um, struggling. I was suffering. And of course, I was in other people's comfort. So when God began to meet my needs mysteriously, miraculously, and I started seeing that I was no longer complaining of the things I didn't have because those things at the point when I need them, they would always be available. And so God began to, to, to help me. I've never been a bad, a bad girl per se, because I grew up in the church. I grew up with pastors. So I moved from one pastor's house to another pastor's house. All these things were techniques to be able to go to school because my school was um, a good school, but was a boarding house. And my mother couldn't afford to send us to a boarding house. So, so she would send us to live with pastors who were living close to that school. Mm -hmm. It was a whole lot, but 
For each time I called upon God, God answered. And in the process of God meeting my needs, I found out that anything my heavenly father, my earthly father can do for me or would have done for me, that God is able to do them exceedingly and even abundantly. And so this is where the healing came for me. And for every point, for everything, sometimes I would even forget and then I'll come back and say, no, I've, I've not told daddy this thing. And that is how the healing for me, I cannot say I have, I have not healed completely. If I right. sit here to say I have healed completely, I'll be lying to you because even on Friday, I still cried. So I have mm -hmm. not healed completely. But then I can tell you that I am no longer where I used to be. <laughs> I can tell you that I am, I am so sure that, in fact, um, I like that this, this song I was listening to yesterday that Travis Green sang, and that's one of my best songs anyway, where he said, um, where he said, Daddy is here, Daddy is home. He said, You belong to me, and I belong to you. And he said something in that song. He said, You can add Abba's name to your name. He said, Add my name. God is saying, Add my name to your name. So for me, you can call me favor, Abba, because that is just who I am. My identity, my pains, everything are not dependent on what I've gone through. I am not going to keep um, blaming my father for dying. I am not going to keep um, feeling that everybody is better than me. I am not even going to let the fact that even though some things have been delayed in my life, that... Yes, because of the privileges I was denied, of course, things are going to be delayed. But then I am not going to be hoping on those things. I'm not going to let who I am revolve around those things, but around the one who has called me, who has promised that he's my father, and who has consistently kept that promise. That is the healing process for me. That's that's great. That is great. I, I, I want to mention that... Uh, a couple of things uh, that I heard you say. One thing is, especially being a, 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 a PK, as we call them, a, a pastor's kid myself. So I definitely understand um, about how, you know, as a, a, a pastor, the church, you know, takes care of you to an, an extent, right? So my grandmother was the pastor uh, of our okay. church. And after my grandmother passed away, my mom became the pastor. Um, but one of the things that my mom was very uh, strong about was not accepting uh, some things from the church. You know, I remember they wanted to give her a card and want to give her a brand new car and all these things. She was like, no, you know, I, I don't want it. You know, I'm, you know, she was like, I'm, I'm going to do, you know, whatever her duties was, but she didn't want to get to the place where she was receiving a lot of stuff. And that was just her thing. You know, she mm. was like, no, you know, uh, there was a uh, a salary. It wasn't a salary, but something like that, like a salary that yeah. she would receive yeah. from the church. And she was like, okay, I'll take that. But everything else, you know, she kind of kept, you know, uh, held back, should I say, you know, and because she didn't want to kind of end up somewhere in a position as you guys ended up with, where the church is, you're dependent on the church and then something exactly. happens and now you don't have that support. Not, that you exactly. Want that. 
Yeah, exactly. So that's that's something that I re I remember, you know, firsthand seeing. You know, that's how my mom kind of was. She was like, "No, we we're going to be okay," you know, because I don't want to be in a position where I'm depending so much on you because exactly like what happened in your uh, uh, experience, once the, for whatever reason, maybe you, she decided she didn't want to be a pastor no more. Maybe she got voted out or whatever. So mm. once you are removed from that position, then all the support that was a part of the position goes with it, you know? Exactly. So now yeah. you're like, uh, what am I going to do? So I, re I definitely can uh, uh, relate to you, you know, with that whole uh, experience. Um, one of the things I wanted to, to ask you, you kind of talked about it um, already, which is, was your process. And as I was going through my own process and, and my own healing and my own journey, God gave me uh, this quote. And the quote is, pain births progress. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Pain births purpose. Purpose births progress. And progress is the evidence that God is at work. And so there is a, a point where the pain that we go through um, as we heal and we begin to see, you know, that even though we were going through this, God had a purpose for it. Then we begin to change that pain over into our purpose. And so in, in your story from going from a fatherless daughter to now taking that pain and change, turning it over to now it's a part of your purpose, you know, to help bring healing to other fatherless uh, children. What would you say was probably, uh, if you can name uh, one moment where you realized that this was now your purpose? And once it became your purpose, you know, how was that uh journey, should I say, of transitioning from, you know, this is the thing that hurt me, but now this very thing I'm going to use to uh, bring healing to other people. Wow. Okay. So, uh, okay, this is a lot for me. Um, I would say that I, I know that right from when I was a young girl, I knew I was going to have something. I was going to have something to do with the ministry. I was going to either run an initiative. In fact, I knew I was going to have an initiative, an NGO. I knew, but I didn't know exactly what it was because mm -hmm. I had worked with teenagers. I I was a children's teacher in church in my local church when I was in secondary school, and then into the university. I did part of the Scripture Union School Visitors Program. And of course, during my NYC, one of the programs we do in Nigeria, I also worked with teenagers. So I have always known I'm going to have something to do with young people. But I can tell you one thing, I didn't know what it was going to be. I mm -hmm. didn't know, I never even thought of this fatherless, using it as, I, it had never been in my plan. But, but I know that, I knew that God wanted to use this particular whole, this story to change lives. But I didn't know the angle it was going to come from. So each time I have one problem, I had one issue, I would, in a place, note it down that this one has happened. But in 2019, 
2019, I lost my job. And so in losing that job, usually I am the first daughter. And so one of the first things I have had to go through, I don't have any elderly one. I don't have any uncle that I can, um, that, you know, people, there are people who, who they already have people who are making ways for them. So from this place, from school, they know that they are going to stay with this. This uncle is helping them to settle down for this new level. You know, I didn't have that kind of thing. Nobody was preparing the new level for me. There was no press setter anywhere helping me to say, okay, when you finish, you will start with this. No, 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 no. I didn't have that kind of privilege. You know, I didn't even have that thing they say, um, if you, you see, if you're looking for a place to stay in a new town, you have your elderly, your elderly that brother or your other sister who i didn't have that kind of thing i only had distant relatives and sometimes staying with them was not very comfortable do you understand mm -hmm. so when i lost my job in 2019 i relocated back to the head office where i got that job but then i wasn't going to do the same job again so when i was going and in fact let me start with the year in 2018 before I got that job, I was a, I, I finished school. And when we finished school, normally what happens is that in Nigeria, that is what we call a one-year compulsory youth service program that all fresh graduates who are below 30 go through. And so I finished school at age of 24. Yes, at age of 24, going to 25. And I was posted for my NYSC. When NYSC was about to finish, doing NYSC, I was at ease. The school where I was serving was feeding me, gave me accommodation. And I didn't have so much issues aside sending money home and supporting my younger ones. But the day that NYSU was about to end, ah, and they had told us that we were vacating the accommodation. I can tell you that throughout that week, I did not sleep. I cried. But I remember the night I was about to leave, I cried so much. I was crying because I didn't even, I didn't want to go home. Going home was not an option for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't. What am I going to do at home? I mean, I'm the first child. I should be supporting my mother. My younger ones are in school. I did not want to go home. But I remember that night while I was still struggling, crying on the bed and everything, I got down on my knee uh, on my knees and said a very simple prayer. Again, the prayer that my mother had always taught us. I said, Father, I know you would not give your daughter stone in place of bread. And I know you would not give me snake in place of meat. You know the right thing. Do it for me. And I want the very best. So after saying that prayer, I climbed um, the, the bed and slept like a baby. In the morning, I was sure that it was time to leave that level. And so that was how it was also that day, that time in 2019 when I lost. Because from that time, I got a job after a month. I got a job. And I mean, that was the job I was in that I lost in 2019. So when I lost that job, on my way relocating to a new place because I wanted to go for professional training in childcare, I was crying all through, all through the night in the bus. I was, I was asking, why will I have to go through so much pain? Why did you not send somebody who could just be there for me already? Why, why will I have to suffer? Because, you know, um, I was even saying I was going through a lot like a man. Why would I have to be the one to go through all this? And so, again, 
God showed up. And then in 2020, when the pandemic started, my job again started to shake. And I knew that it was time. I was just praying, just praying and praying and just have, having, because that time was a lot of time to stay in your secret place and love on God, do a whole lot of things for God in the secret place. And so I was just praying. Or just so just looking at okay this is a time what can i do what can i do what can i do what can i do what do i do uh, in fact i had a lot of things in mind and i can tell you that this fatherlessness was not part of the plan at this point it was not steep because in in the part of the country i'm coming from it is not a need it does not a need like people don't see it as something that is a big problem it's not like not having like it's not a need in this part of the world it is now that i'm beginning to create the awareness that this is actually a need because people don't even understand that it is a need so while i was talking so my first consideration was talking about pastors children and what they go through i had other considerations and that and so i kept praying and I kept praying. So while I was praying, the Lord was still pointing me out to a few things. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay. But then I called on, uh, on a friend. God speaks to our friends, actually. Mm -hmm. So that friend sat me down while we were still trying to go through. So she's somebody that I think is social media manager and something like a coach yes so she was taking me through okay what would you have to because i was telling her that okay i think it's high time i start something i think it's high time i start something and i don't know what it is but i know god is prompting me to start doing something for him and so she now started taking me back where have you been where are you coming from what is your pain and so when she asked me my pain <laughs> my greatest pain is not having a father actually i can tell you that and so, then she said that could be what god wants you to do so i went back in prayers i went back to prayers with that god this is my pain could this have been my purpose is this what you are wanting me to do talking to father what will i tell them exactly what what exactly am i going to tell them because i mean what, what it, it's not like i am rich now because we see those kind of things with people who are already settled in life and what they are now doing is to use um the money to sponsor whatever they want to do yeah what, what I'm, i mean i don't even have money to give the fatherless students so what am i going to tell them what do i have to tell them and god said you're going to tell them that the God that fathered you can father them too. And that is how purpose came for me. And since that day till now, this is what keeps me awake at night, I can tell you. I love it. I love it. Um, that was a mouthful. <laughs> that was a mouthful. Um, I, I, I love that story. I, and I, I always like to hear that that process, you know, uh, from how we go from taking our pain to, to turn it into something else. And that, that whole process, I always love to hear those stories. Um, so as part of your uh, process, you wrote a book, right? I think it's yeah, an e book. Tell, tell me a little bit about the book. Okay, so I am, okay, I'm coming, please. 
Okay. So in that 2020, while I was still trying to pray about this whole thing, um, God telling me to go tell fatherless children, single mothers, that God has helped my mother to raise amazing girls. We are five girls now. And God has helped us to, God has taken care of my mother, taking care of my younger sisters, taking care of myself. And God now started to, to, to lead me into talking about my daddy because I needed something to at least show them that, I don't know, I cannot tell you the whole story in one day, but can you just read this, just, just try this out? And I started writing down the things I know about my daddy. That was just how I started. And I can tell you that I didn't know I was going to write a book. Let me even tell you the truth. I didn't know I was going to write a book. I only know that when the Lord was leading me into putting things to writing, I have um, I had a particular coach that I, I registered for a writing class in 2020 during the pandemic while I was still trying to put myself together. Because, of course, I told you I didn't know what I was going to do. So I was just trying to put my hands into this and that. So I, I registered for a, um, a writing class. My idea about that writing class was just to be writing on blogs, like write um, blog um, the whole lot. So I didn't know I was going to write a book. But something happened. While I was writing, I enrolled for another coaching program in that 2020. And part of the assignment that they gave me for that coaching program was to submit a write-up every day. Is it every day or at the end of every week? Either every day or at the end of every week for four weeks. And, you know, I started writing. I was just writing about myself about my experience. I think I wrote for about one month or two months and I would submit the write-up either every two, two days or something. And while I was writing, my coach asked me, did this actually happen to you? He said, yes, that's, that's, that's me, that's me. And he was like, okay, hmm, great story, great story. And he would read it, he would give me feedback. And so I just, I, I just started putting things together so every day i would write i started with okay who is god i, I think the, the first chapter of that book is um i even wrote it in fact i didn't even know it was going to be something that would turn up to be like so i was just writing some stuff that you use for devotion now that is what i i wrote and so after that coaching program i continued writing now not writing because i wanted to submit i was not writing to keep in my phone and maybe for something that would come up later on and i joined a group on facebook that said you could be writing to post on their wall and of course i was also writing on my own personal but i will only write i, I wasn't writing about fatherlessness so i would just write about my job about my child care experiences and parenting and everything and so, just like that, I came up with something. Every day I would sleep, I would write two things, two um, three things. And it turned out that when it had gone half, I noticed that I was actually writing a book. <laughs> so, I ended up writing a book, actually. I wrote a book. And the book is titled, Meet My Daddy. 
a place where I took time to write. It, it is a short devotional for teenagers who are either who are fatherless, either because their fathers are late or absent, where I take them through a journey of who, what happened to their father, why they cannot keep holding on to the pain, and why who God is and why God can be trusted as a father. That is what the book is all about. And that is just how the book came about. That is, that is great. Uh, that is great. And I love how you said uh, when you started writing, you didn't even know that that's what you were working on. You know, and it's amazing how God uses us to uh, to do some things that we don't even see coming. But it just starts with, OK, will you obey me with this part? Just do this. You know, and when we step out just to be obedient in that first step, even though we don't even know what the end goal is going to look like, we find ourselves walking down this journey where he pulls back the veil and say, OK, you did that part. Now let me show you where that's going to lead you. You know, and so I'm, I'm glad that you you know, were obedient to even start that process. And then now we can look at the the. Uh, the works and how it has evolved into to what it is now. So I'm, yeah. I'm very glad about that. Favor, I've really loved uh, uh, this time to, to talk with you. I've really loved it. I'm going to give you, uh, um, I'm going to let you end it, right? I, so first of all, make sure you give us your social media handles where we can find okay. you and also where uh, we can get the book. And if you have any other uh, projects or anything that you're working on that you have available, uh, you know, give us all of that and then end us with uh, a word of advice or just a word of inspiration, whatever your word is that you want to leave us with. Um, so I'll give you the opportunity now. Uh, the floor is yours. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, I've enjoyed every bit of this. Uh, let me start with saying that, you know, the Lord has been prompting me to go to schools to talk to teenagers, but a whole lot of things, and um, because of a whole lot of things that happened to me last year, I wasn't able to do all that. And on Friday, by God's grace, I took a bold step to go talk to students in, in school. And after talking to the whole school, I asked the fatherless children to come between SS1 and SS um, and XS3. So that's what we call SS1. That is what you call, I think, I don't know how you people call it, but those who are at the um, at the point of leaving the high school. So from mm -hmm. SS1 in Nigeria to SS3. And after that, a whole lot of children came around me, teenagers who, who are, in fact, that we recorded over 50 students who were fatherless. Between, I, I, like, I didn't say the whole school. I mean, from SS1 to SS3, above 50 students who were fatherless. And while they had heard me talk, they came around and just opening their mouth, just coming around me, they, see, they started crying. And while they were crying, one of them told me that the father died when she was three months. The other one said when she was sick, um, three years. The other one said my father left. I've never met him. He left my mother when my mother was pregnant and has not 
come to think or even say, I know this child. You know, I heard a lot of stories. And immediately the Lord told me that, in fact, what it dawned on me that the harvest is truly plenty. We had never taken note of this specific need because we never took it serious. And that it was at that point, I now realized that what the Lord has handed over to me is something that is beyond me. I can tell you this vision is beyond me. And so I am saying all this to say to somebody who is going through the pain. Maybe you lost your father when you were, you were very small. Maybe you lost your father when you were, you were already in secondary school. Because, you know, the pain for different people is different. Some people are not even crying because they lost their father. They are crying because of the pain of not having him around. Not because they don't have a relationship with him. Do you understand? Because some people don't really know what the relationship look like mm -hmm. so they can't even say that this is all my father did for me or did not do for me so i am missing what he used to do for me because they never had a, that kind of experience so no matter the, the, the at the point where you are now no matter what you're going through no uh, in fact, no matter what it seems like the future holds for you i have come with a simple word and it, I'm not even going to stretch it. The simple word is, if God, he said in Romans chapter 8, if God gave us Jesus Christ, that is the biggest gift ever. If God gave us Jesus Christ, there is nothing. He said, there is nothing he cannot give us, including that thing that you think is not possible. And so he goes ahead to say to you in Psalm 68 that he is the father, a father of the fatherless and the supporter of the widow. Mm -hmm. And so he goes ahead to tell us in, in, in Matthew and in Luke, he said, can a father give an earthly father, no matter how wicked that father is, give the child snake for bread and for meat? And can he at any point come and give you um, stone for, give his child stone for bread or give snake for meat? He said, if your earthly fathers who in their natural state are wicked cannot do that. Ah, he said that he will not do that. He will not withhold any good thing from you. So I am telling you today, no matter what, wherever you are at the moment, I don't know where you are. I cannot say I understand everything that is happening to you. I would be lying if I say that. I cannot even say that I have worn the exact shoe you're wearing. I cannot lie to tell you that. But I can tell you for true, for sure, that God, at whatever point you are, is there. Yes, and he is ready. He is waiting for you. He has a whole lot for you. He is like, he, he's telling, he's practically screaming your name. You belong to me. You are my own. Why don't you look, 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 look at me. Did you see the problem is that you're not even looking. You are busy stretching to points where the help is not. 
You are looking at people you think should be helping you. Today, I'm telling you, look away from those things and now look onto the source. The source himself is calling you. And the example I give always whenever I tell people this is, imagine that the president of your country is your father. Imagine that the greatest person on earth is your father. What do you think you will be enjoying? Now, remove that thing that you are looking that person and put God there. God said that the earth and the fullness thereof is his own. He is the source of everything. And now, the source is calling you that you are now my own. So if good earthly fathers, rich fathers, can afford to give the word to their children, of course, they can't even do it in the practical sense. But if they can afford to give their children the best, how much more the God who owns the heaven and earth, bringing down himself to tell you that I am now your father. So if you are fatherless, your father has not been there. He's been absent. I'm even praying that your father comes back. But much more than he's coming back, I want you to begin to look at the source who is your heavenly father. That is where the answer is. He's screaming your name. You belong to me. Can you just come over? There is a whole lot for you. And the very day you remove your eyes from those things and look onto the source, to the one that has called you by his own name, you will know the difference. And there is no way anyone can deny the difference because he makes the difference so clear. And that is what I'm telling you, that God is a worthy father. He's taking care of me. I've seen him do amazing things for that people. And even where you are, he brought you there. And he wants to make something out of nothing. Give him the opportunity. Leave the pains. Look up to him. And the pains will not go in one day, but he promises to heal you. Your problems will not go in one day, but he promises to take care of you. Your needs are not going to be met in one day, but he promises to be there with you at every point. And if he is there, it means that nothing can go wrong. And so that is my last word for you. Okay, so for me, you can, um, on social media handle, I am... Um, Favor Ogwibe on Facebook and on Instagram. That's my personal handle. And my initiative is Fatherless Set Fathered on Facebook and on Instagram. And um, by God's grace, my website is going to back very soon. And our YouTube is going to be on very soon because we are going to be starting a session where we have conversations with these widows and with their families. And so these conversations, we're going to be recording them because we want people to see and, of course, feel how much of a need this is in our society. And for the next project, we already started our school project by God's grace, where we go to schools to talk to fatherless children. And we are hoping that very soon we may start a mentorship class or a mentorship group for young fatherless daughters. And maybe if the Lord leads us, we will start it for fatherless sons too. And that is where we are at the moment. Wow, thank you, thank you. Um, man, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad uh, with the work that you're doing and I'm just listening to you and I'm hearing the passion and I'm seeing it. And and I don't know <laughs> if you're, you have your father's preaching spirit, but I see it. <laughs> I see it. I'm like, okay, I see you. 
But again, favor, I, I thank you. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for thank sharing you your so story. And I definitely uh, appreciate the work that you do and just be encouraged to, to move forward and, and keep it going because in, in, in our space, uh, um, and, and the space of fatherlessness, um, it affects us so much uh, that we don't even understand sometimes. Yeah. And um, it takes the voices of us. And, and I'm glad that you're, you're uh, that I was able to connect with you because you're in Nigeria. But it even goes to show how, you know, the effects of fatherlessness doesn't even matter where you are. You know, yeah, exactly. it affects yeah. us on every on every continent in every country. You know, amongst every people. You know, when we are separated from our fathers for whatever reason, you know, it still has an effect. And I'm glad that you know you recognize that it was an issue that was not being taken maybe as serious as it needed mm -hmm. to be, um, and it was a need that was not being. Uh, attained or or uh, taken care of, and through your pain and through the process of being obedient to God using you, you are now able to stand in that gap and to to help those you know who are coming behind you. So I I am so grateful. I definitely will keep you in my prayers uh, with all your endeavors. And as things grow and and you know you guys get to school and everything else, hey, reach out for me. Uh, reach out to me, and we'll have you back on again just to share you know, the story of, of how good, you know, God has been and, and things are uh, expressing or things are getting greater uh, with your ministry. And I definitely uh, appreciate it. Uh, again, everyone, this is the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Um, man, we're on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. And even as we see to uh, now how Favor is beginning to fulfill her purpose, you all can do the same. So we thank you guys for listening. Until next thank week, you. we thank will you see so you much. later. Thank you, Favor. Thank you for having me. I mean, this is an awesome, awesome, awesome time I've had here. Thank you so much. You're doing an amazing job. And all, all of us here in Nigeria, um, um, all everybody in my team, all of us in my team, we are sending our love and regards to all our friends over there. And we are asking that the Lord who sees this work will prosper this work and cause men and women to come to the support of this work and of course he will cause our light to shine so brightly that kings cannot even deny it anymore thank you so much i am really really grateful i enjoyed every bit of it and i'm grateful i'm grateful god bless you plenty god bless, god bless you. you bless you all right guys we will see you guys next week bye hey guys i know you're enjoying the podcast however don't forget to join our text line it's 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730. In order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. All right? See you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Remember to listen, like, subscribe, and share. This episode has been brought to you by Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. Remember, 
Our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.